Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Well, some days there are, you know, it's interesting. Um, We've had this comment before. Mm, You're preaching that, you you wrote that for me, right? When we're, when you've, have you ever heard a sermon where you're like, oh, that pastor wrote that for me? Um, Or why are, and it's like sometimes we try not to even look at you because we don't want you to think that we wrote something about you. Um, but there are those moments. Like we had a gal in Michigan who, without fail, she would come up to us on Sundays and go, why did you write that? We just had that conversation last week. And I was like, what you don't realize is that when we work on sermons, we talk about series and things that we're doing months ahead of time. And so um, it's an interesting week and, and time in, in our life as your pastors. Um, but we're in the book of James. And there are some sermons where I wish I could give you horse blinders to put on so you, didn't, you couldn't look at anyone else in the room so that I could have the conversation with you and that you would really just hear what I have to say to you and not necessarily look at anyone else. Because sometimes, I, okay, I'm gonna, you're going to get an honest pastor moment here. There have been sermons I've heard and I'm like, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this right? Come on, raise your hand. Be honest with me. Don't lie. How many of you have heard a sermon and but oh, so-and-so needs to hear this one? Yeah, guilty. Okay, so think that for a hot second and put it out of your mind, and let's, I'm going to say a prayer because I want this to be, but what do I need to hear from this this morning? God, we come before you in these next minutes, and as we talk about James 3 this morning, I pray, Lord, that our mind would not be on someone else today that it would not be on something someone else has done or said, but it would be on our own heart, in our own life, in our own minds, and what you want to speak into us today. So God, these are your words. I'm your instrument. Use me today. Amen. Last week, Sierra talked to us about the book of James and how it is, it's like, hook you up to the whipping post and give you a good lashing, right? Like, come on now, this is how you're supposed to do it. And she laid it out for us. And and the week before, Jeremy started us out in James 1. So today we're in James 3. And, um, you know, James doesn't beat around the bush. I don't know if you've ever lived in Texas, but Texans can beat around the bush. Sometimes Tennesseans can too. Is that a word? I don't know. But like, it's like you got to sprinkle sugar on things before you say them so nobody gets too offended. Although we kind of live in a world right now where it doesn't matter where you live, you got to sprinkle sugar because everybody gets offended. And so James is like, sorry, there's no sugar with my words. So this morning I'm saying, sorry, there's no sugar with James's words. And there's kind of no sugar with mine today either. Um, I've heard this passage of scripture for a long time. I've heard sermons on it and every single time it speaks to me. Why? Because I'm human and I keep screwing up. So it may be something you've addressed before, but maybe it's something you got to address today. 
So we're going to show you a picture this morning of um, a rudder. Um, a rudder is a relatively small thing on a very large ship. A cruise ship steers its direction by a rudder. That amazes me to think that this entire ship with thousands of people on it is steered by someone turning that one direction or the other. It is large, the boat has a lot of people, and one small um, misdirection of that rudder can send an entire cruise ship of people on a path to destruction. That simple move can change the course of the whole ship. A rudder is small, and it determines thousands of lives. And guess what? A tongue is a small part of our body, but it is powerful. This morning, we're going to be in James 3, 1 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go over where we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire itself by hell. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so, blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble up out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. This is the word of God. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. James 3.9. That verse, as I read this passage and I was preparing for this message, says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Isn't that just like our mouths? Ouch. I think if we're honest here for a minute, we would admit that we're all guilty of this. We can stand here on a Sunday morning and sing words like, praise you forever, God. You are our risen king. We have hope in you. You love us all. And then we turn around and our words trash people created in the image of God. It goes on to say, this is not right. It's almost like we need to wash our mouths out. Um, it takes me back to the days of getting my mouth washed out with soap. 
Some of you are like, what? Because, you know, we live in a generation where you can't do that anymore. Whatever. Come on, give me another honest moment here. Raise your hand if you've ever had your mouth washed out with soap for some reason or another. Yeah, you, okay. I did. I did. It was great. Not really. Um, it takes me back to those days, though. Thinking about, uh, you know, lying. Okay, teenagers and kids. Well, there's not really any kids here. Teenagers, come on, give me a minute. Think about this. Every time you lie, every time you um, weren't honest with your parents or you said something you weren't supposed to say, your mom and dad washed your mouth out with soap. How's that sound? You're all like, ooh. <laughs> all right. It's all right. Hey, we've, we've had moments like that in our household. Should ask a few of my children sometime. Um, did you know that the human mouth has 615 bacteria in it? Yo, that is nasty. Ew. Mouths gross me out, okay? I could not be a dentist. Bless dentists and dental hygienists. Ugh. 615 bacteria. No wonder James says that the, mouth, the tongue is poison. Well, you're carrying around bacteria, so it's physical poison as well as emotional poison. Um, we can do everything in our power to clean out our mouths. We can brush, we can gargle mouthwash, and we can use one of those crazy to um, tongue combs. Has anyone seen these things? Yo, these are weird. Okay, I have a picture of one today. That is a tongue comb, right? Ew. So I'm going to tell you, I have the worst. Okay, we can take that one down there. We're going to make people gag here. Yeah, I, oh, see, I have to like, I wondered if I would do this this morning. <laughs> so nasty. Okay, so I, um, when the last time I was at the dentist, I remember she says to me, oh, you need a tongue comb. All right. I am the person who, when I go to the dentist and they have to do x-rays, I'm like, listen, I'm going to gag on you. And she's like, oh, honey, it'll be fine. It's fast. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I have the worst gag reflex in the world. I can talk about gagging and start gagging. I don't, ooh, like it's so gross, okay? And so pregnancy was real fun. Morning sickness with a gag reflex like mine, whoo, buddy, it was nasty. Anyway, so she pulls out this tongue comb. And she's like, oh, girl. She goes, you just, you take, <laughs> I love it. She goes, you take the thing and you stick it way back on your tongue. Already, I'm like, like trying not to gag. She's like, you just get it way back there and you drag it forward and it pulls all those bacteria off. And I'm like, oh, this is so gross. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to take this thing home and humor this lady because she is real passionate about her tongue comb. So I take this thing home and Jeremy's like, that's so cool. And I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, you'll be fine. Just try it. Oh, here I am in the bathroom, like, oh, like trying to do it. <laughs> I'll stick with my toothbrush as far back as I can get it without making myself gag. So, okay, tongue comb, dirty mouth, Ugh, yes, 615 bacteria. Our efforts to clean, up our, to clean up our tongue are useless if this is messed up. If we haven't dealt with what's here, then what's here and what comes out of here we're not going to clean it up. No tongue comb's going to get far enough to clean that up. I don't think we want to. Okay. Anyway. Matthew 12, 34. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your mouth, your tongue is a tool. <laughs> is it a good tool or a bad tool? 
You know, that's a whole phrase these days. He's such a tool or she's such a tool. Are you a tool or are you a tool? What kind of tool are you? Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring life or death, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Jeremy and I were having a conversation about this verse this week. Okay, it brings, it brings death or life, so it brings one or, or the other. And we think that um, talking brings, you know, it says those who talk will reap the consequences. That's not just bad consequences. I think we hear that and we think of it in two lights. We hear that and we say, oh, they're going to get what's coming to them because of what they said, right? Or we're like, oh, I'm getting what's coming to me because of what I said. But he's saying here, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. If you are speaking life out of your mouth, then you're going to reap consequences in your life because of speaking life. It's not just a bad thing. Our desire is usually for our tongue to speak life, but sometimes it spews junk, right? Anybody ever spewed junk? Some of you are honest. Okay, James 1.19 says, be quick to, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Man, I don't like that verse. Psh, right? We get mad at that one. We're like, ooh. There it is again. Okay, another image for you. A boiling pot coming all right pot of water put it on the stove how many of you have ever walked away from that boiling pot and you forgot that it was boiling water and then all of a sudden you go "Uh oh and why do you do that because all of a sudden that boiling pot of water is like spilling out over your sink and your smoke detectors going off and you burnt whatever's in there or whatever if it's water you just have water everywhere but that boiling pot, it's either, it has two choices. When that water is boiling in that pot, it's going to do one of two things. It's going to boil over, or what else can it do? Simmer down. Simmer down. One of the very um, most important things we can learn from a pot of boiling water is we learn to simmer down. Sometimes we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We are in a culture and in a time in our history where we get angry over everything. Pull open your social media and find someone who's angry, probably in your first three feeds, about three posts about something. People are mad about all kinds of things. And for some reason, we, we feel like it's okay to just, I don't know, I don't know, we Jesus, help us. Learn to simmer down. One of the best pieces of advice my mom gave to me that's probably been passed on from generation to generation is, and you can all finish this with me, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Don't say anything at all. I've had to repeat that to myself throughout the years. Christy, don't say anything. Christy, don't say anything. And sometimes I do really good at it, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I speak without thinking about what I'm saying. Sometimes I let my anger get the best of me. There are moments where, and, and you know what, in those moments where I speak and my anger gets the best of me, typically there's something else going on in me. Um, I've said this before. You know, your family tend to be the ones who get the, the ugly side of you. 
right? Um, because we're comfortable. But that's unfair to our families. And so I, my kids get that sometimes. Jeremy gets that sometimes. And there are moments where I'm like, you guys, I'm sorry. I, I screw that up. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. I've been dealing with this, whatever it is, but you got this from me. I'm sorry. I became reactionary rather than reasonable in that moment with my kids or my husband. Um, I've said things to people that I regret to this day, even after apologizing, because guess what? Once your words are said, you cannot take them back. They came out. Someone heard them. Most of the time, they're out. Proverbs 21.3. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you will stay out of trouble. Watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut, and stay out of trouble. It's a good plan, right? In the words of a good friend of mine, she loved to say, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I think that's what Proverbs is saying here. Watch your tongue. I should have changed it. Shut your mouth and stay out of trouble. There's that poem, and it's funny because the song before service referred to it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a lie. Whoever wrote that was they're messed up in the head. That's all I got. I can't even think of the right word. They're messed up. It's a lie. It should say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can surely hurt me. And words can hurt. I have been a product of words that hurt, and I have been a product of hurtful words. That's what it says. We can praise the Lord, and we can curse those made in the image of God with our words. Proverbs 25, 16, telling lies about others is harmful, as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Again, pretty blunt. Words, our tongue, have power. Folks, the words you say hold power. They hold the power of life, or they hold the power of death. Matthew 12, 36 and 37 says, And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. Your words, the words you say, will either acquit you or condemn you. Am I the only one in the room who hears that and says, Ooh, I'm going to have to stand in front of God someday, and he's going to be like, Let's talk about your mouth. I mean, I don't, it's probably not in that tone. But seriously, like, think about that. Like, Let's talk about the words you used. We're going to be held accountable for those things. While brushing your teeth and scraping your tongue with that nasty tongue comb, um, while you're doing that, talk to God and start asking God not to just clean up your tongue, but to clean up your heart. Ask God to fill you with his power so that your tongue learns to speak life. Because when we're filled up with God in here, what comes out? The overflow of the mouth, that's where the heart speaks. So what's going on, or the, or, oh, sorry, I just said that backwards. The overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's going on in here is what's going to come out here. The word of God is one of the very best ways to speak life. 
I cannot tell you this enough. Read it, memorize it, speak it to others. There are times where I have friends that are struggling and I don't, I don't know what to say, but you know what? The word of God does. And so I pull it open and I'll be like, here's a verse. This is not a cheap cop-out. This is the word of God. It is power. It's the best thing I can give you. Speak life over others. Another verse, here's a great one to memorize. I love this verse. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. My friend, um, there was a, Jeremy and I have a long story, and, and a couple of you maybe know our stories. Probably a lot of you don't, and that's okay. But there is a season of ministry for us where we were wounded and coming th- through that season of ministry, I just, as I, I said to the, Jeremy last night, I was, as we were coming home from my niece's graduation party in Knoxville, I was reading over my notes, and I said to him, I'm going to send an email. I hope, are you okay with this? And he's like, well, who, who are you sending it to? I said, I'm going to send it to our friend, our pastor friend, um, and just tell him thank you. I said, I read this verse, and he's the first person that comes to my mind. It says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. And this friend of ours, this is like three or four years later, right? He comes, he calls us one day, and he says to us, um, I need to ask your forgiveness for something. And we're like, why do you need to ask for, you have nothing to do with this, this situation that hurt us. And he's like, no, he said, but... As the pastor of this church, I now participate in the corporate sins of this church. Yo, that, that does not happen. But he recognized that he was a part of, by, by giving leadership to these people who had had this part in, in this hurt that had happened in our lives, he recognized his part in it and he was like, I'm sorry that this happened to you. And we told him, you did not have to apologize to us for that. And he said, no, but I did. Whether he did or not, that's not the issue. But a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Because even though we had worked through some of that and we had processed that and we had, given, we had offered forgiveness where it needed to be offered, it was still one more bit of healing in our lives to say, I've got you. That is some heavy rain, y'all. I've got you. And that man allowed that moment, I don't know what triggered that day for him to go, I need to call Jeremy and Christy and say this to them. But he listened to the leading of the Lord and said, no, this is that moment, I'm going to call and do it. Wise words do good to the hearts of others. Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Our friend's words that day were another part of healing for Jeremy and I. Wise words bring healing rather than leave scars. How many of you, has anyone in here ever been received wise words that allowed you some healing? Anyone? Okay. How many of you have been on the cutting remarks that have left scars? The first part of Proverbs 15, 4 says, gentle words are a tree of life. What does a tree do? 
it grows. Gentle words fill others up. Gentle words breathe life. Here's another thing to think about when it comes to the power of your words. The words that you listen to are as powerful as the words that you speak. What kind of words are you filling your life with? Jeremy and I have spent, you know, 20 years working with teenagers in different ways. Um, and we talk about the things that you're listening to and the things that you're watching. And kids will argue with us, eh, it's not impacting me. It's not true. It's not true. Our youth pastor used to say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because the people you hang around with shape you. Well, the things that you watch, teenagers and adults, and the things that you listen to shape you. I had a conversation with a teenager this week. We're watching The Chosen at our house on Wednesday nights, and we're discussing it. And it is, I have had some, it's been just some of the coolest discussion. I have loved sitting down with these teenagers and talking about this stuff. But we, we talked about just how this week about just, if you have not watched it, you've got to watch it. It just is so amazing because it's such a, um, a practical view of the stories of, they did, an, oh, they did an amazing job creating this show. I can't say enough about it. And it really has stirred conversation in our house about what is going on and wow, Jesus loved people like that. I don't know, there's something about reading words on a page and then seeing it. And you're like, oh, that's how Jesus loved. And so we've been having these discussions. And so this week I received a message from one of our teens and, and they said, you know, because of what we watched, what we listened to, this is what God is doing in my heart. And I'm like, yes, ugh, I can't, I wanted to shout from, the, I wish I could read it, everything to you and be like, this is what God is doing in the heart of a teenager in our, in our church. Why? Because they're listening to something that feeds them. They're listening to something that is encouraging them and shaping them and helping them to grow in their relationship with Christ. Church, what are you listening to that is shaping you for Christ? What are you listening to? Proverbs 18, 20. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. Mm. Some of you are like, I'm hungry. And right words bring satisfaction. Wise words fill each other, fill people up. A good meal, what's it do? It makes you go, oh, my belly's not growling anymore. I feel good. A real good meal makes you want to take a nap. Thanksgiving dinner, anybody? So it fills you up. It satisfies you. That's what wise words do. They satisfy. How satisfying are the words that come from your mouth? So what now? Some of you go, oh, pastor, this is, ugh. We all say unkind things, right? We're human. You're right, we are. We are human. We are, and you know what? We mess up. And we are going to give grace when we mess up to each other, right? Amen. We need it, and we need to offer it. And we're going to do it time and time again. But you know what? God calls us to live different. When we say, God, I'm going to follow you, he's saying, I've got something better for you then. Don't settle for the excuse of, we're just human. Say, okay, but how can my life be transitioned, transformed into the image of Christ? How can I love others and see them as in the image, created in the image of God just like they are? 
Maybe it's time to stop leaning on the crutch of being human and allow God to clean up your heart. Our tongues and our words about others or to others. It should be church people setting the example of a controlled tongue, right? We should be leading by example. But I'll tell you, there are times where Jeremy and I have known people outside the church who are a lot nicer than people inside of the church. Somewhere along the way, we think it's okay to be judge and jury of others. Sierra said it last week perfectly. And I'm going to paraphrase in my own words, not one of our rear ends fits in the judgment seat of God. So we better stop trying. God's job is to judge, not ours. Our job is to love others as we love ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves. That's who Jesus wants to hang out with. That's what The Chosen is about. That's one of the comments that we've had as we've studied on Wednesday nights with the teens and watched The Chosen series is, wow, God like hung out in the brothel. He went to the brothel to, to meet Mary Magdalene and lay his hands on her and heal her. And he went to the bar where these people were to say, come follow me. And he asked a tax collector who took people's money to follow him. Yep. Because that's who Jesus was. We need to live like Jesus. This morning, we're going to prepare um, to gather at the table for communion. I want you to think about your words. I want you to recognize that your words, friends, are powerful. And I want you to ask yourself, is my power being used for good or for evil? Whose life am I speaking life into? Life-giving words speak life at real life. That's what I want our church to be. Life-giving words that speak life into others. Look around this room. Who needs life spoken into them? Who needs a little loving? Who in your home needs that? Who in your neighborhood needs it? Who in your family needs it? Right? It's either one or the other. You're either speaking evil or speaking good. You know, that verse says we do both, and it's true. We do both. We can stand up here on a Sunday morning and sing good, and we can go home and spew nasty. Maybe we need, I should have brought a tongue comb for everybody to hang up somewhere in your house. Scrape those words off your tongue. Come on now. Let's get rid of them. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning. And we just, we recognize that we are, we are human. But God, you call us as believers to live differently. And Jesus, we recognize that our tongues have been the, the source of, of life for some. And our tongues have been the source of death for others. And so, God, I pray that you would help us today to recognize the ways that our tongues are not speaking life. God, some of us are sitting here in this room this morning, and we're already we're on, online, and we're thinking, oh, I said that. Oh, I said that to that person, or oh, I said that about that person. God, speak to us and help us to deal with that stuff. God, help us to go back and make it right with people. Help us to be a people who deal with our junk. 
not just try and sweep it under a rug and hide it. You want to live life with people who are willing to pull the rug back and say, here's my garbage, Jesus, help me deal with it. So this morning, Lord, we just say, please dwell in our hearts. Clean up the areas that are dirty that are causing our mouths to spew death. Transform our lives so that we reflect you. Give us your eyes and your heart for others and may we see them as you do and that is created in your image. God, we're sorry. We're so sorry. Forgive us. Redeem us. Make us a story of redemption like my pastor friend who called us and said, I'm sorry because I now participate in the corporate sins. So God, what corporate sins have we participated in that we need to say, I'm sorry, I was a part of that. We love you, Lord. Fill us. Change us. Make us a people who see as you see. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org slash give. Thanks again for listening.